Hallelujah. You may be seated. I want to go right into the word today. Hallelujah. 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 Last week, as you know, I ministered a message and declared I was angry. And we saw even through the scriptures that there were instances where holy men got angry. <laughs> the Bible said, sin not. See, there's a divine difference between letting your anger materialize into wrath. See, wrath deals with revenge, getting back at somebody. Some of the conditions we're seeing today in our community is because we've not learned how to let anger materialize into something potential and profitable as opposed to becoming an agent of hell and destroying somebody's life. So I've been very moved. I've been in contemplation with a lot of things. I, in fact, I haven't announced this. My staff didn't even know. But I'm going away. I just felt led to go away next week at my own expense. Don't get nervous. <laughs> but I'm going away. There comes a time when you have to begin to reflect and hear what is God saying as it relates to your, 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 your future but also your purpose of life. I feel a reset is happening. The Lord is changing and focusing our, 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 our thoughts and positions and what some of us used to think was important. <laughs> We're getting a revelation from God that maybe it's not as important as we thought. You know, individuals strive to be a bishop. They're, woo. And if you don't make them a bishop, they'll go make themselves a bishop. What is in that title, bishop? And people will strive to get positions. But, but after a while, you're wondering, what is in this? title that I can be doing more for God without a title and I'm praying I'm praying because I might shock some people I might shock some people because this is shocking time while some people are striving to be a bishop, I might give up my bishopric. Because when, when you look at the end result, you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Stay with me. I'm building my case. I'm building my case. 
From the Old Testament with Nehemiah to our perfect example in the New Testament, Jesus Christ. We saw issues and circumstances that justified. Somebody shout justified. justified. Being angry. But the question must be answered. Well, when should we as Christian believers get angry? What justifies us for getting angry? And I pray that today's message will examine these questions. Now, before I even get started in the message, uh, to help me, I want to go back to a clip of a movie. Do uh, you remember, some of you, the movie A Few Good Men? And, and, and I want this movie to introduce, just a clip, only a couple minutes, to introduce the purpose behind this message. So let's cut the lights, especially these spotlights and everything. The spotlights, and you'll get those here in a minute so that we could just get a clip of. On the charge of conspiracy to commit murder, the members find the accused not guilty. On the charge of conduct unbecoming a United States Marine, the members find the accused guilty as charged. The accused are hereby sentenced to time already served, and you are ordered to be dishonorably discharged from the Marine Corps. Court Martial is adjourned. All rise. What does that mean? How? What did that mean? I don't understand. Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. I know. Colonel Jessup said he ordered the code red. What did we do wrong? It's not that simple. What did we do wrong? We did nothing wrong. Yeah, we did. We were supposed to fight for people who couldn't fight for themselves. We were supposed to fight for Willie. We were supposed to fight for people who can't fight for themselves. If you remember the movie which came out in 1992, Colonel Nathan Jessup ordered what was called Code Red or to do punishment to a fellow uh, soldier. And because they received the command, they did it, but through their punishment, he died. He was brought up on charges, and it looked like everything was getting ready to be covered up. But it came out that the colonel gave the order. Now, they thought that they should have been exonerated. But when they were still found guilty for one of the charges, he couldn't figure out what did we do wrong? We followed the order. Sometimes we follow the order, but we have to ask ourselves, is this order of God? 
Uh oh, I'm going a little further. Sometimes we follow the law. But we have to ask ourselves, is the law of God? And they found out that we should have spoke up for somebody who couldn't speak for themselves. That's today's message. Fighting for someone who can't fight for themselves. Hallelujah. And that's what the Lord has been dealing with me while we take pleasure in doing everything for ourselves should we speak for somebody and do for someone who can't do for themselves. The proverb writer using the message version in 31.8 said, speak up for the people who have no voice for the rights of all the down and outers. Yes, sir. The next verse he says, speak out for justice. Hallelujah. Stand up for the poor and the destitute. The Lord has always had compassion for those who were the down and outers, the disadvantage. You remember when the scripture said of the king, when you've done this to the one of the least of my brethren, fed the hungry, gave drink to the thirsty, took in the homeless, visited them in the prison and in the sickness. And, and they were surprised and say, well, king, when did we ever see you in this condition? To which the king responded, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. We must stand against injustice that's being done to those who cannot defend themselves. And as you know, here at New Bethel as a pastor, you know my number one concern is to make sure we're ready for heaven. That's my number one concern. But on the way to heaven, we still have a mission. Cannot be selfish of what it is for me. But I believe that God has given us uh, a mandate, a divine mandate to speak, especially against injustice. We look through the scriptures and see Time after time where the Lord was angry at those that dealt with injustice. And unfortunately, we're seeing it happen still today. Jeremiah chapter 22 speaks to this. Because we must stand against injustice that is being to done, done to those who cannot defend themselves. Most of us in here have been on the, the receiving side of injustice. Sometimes it's based on our color, sometimes our gender, 
Sometimes our economic plight in life. And the Lord is saying that I'm charging the church to stand against injustice. It's being done to those who cannot defend themselves. Now, growing up, I was blessed to be under a ministry where my pastor, Bishop Wagner, taught us even the kids. We had a school, Calvary Christian Academy, like you saw these kids here. He taught in the school, do not be intimidated nor manipulated. And from children up, listen, they were, they were, they were taught, be respectful, but don't be intimidated. Be respectful, but don't be manipulated. So our kids in that environment grew up, and that helped me. Because sometimes you got to speak up for yourself. Oh, I wish somebody hear me. And when you do right for God, God will do right for you. You can't follow the same pattern of injustice because you'll mess up your blessing. Let me just share with you a quick testimony. When Angela and I first got married, and we were living in the Youngstown, Ohio area, and of course... We as staff and young people, because I was saved in, at 14. Next year, 2020, I will have been saved for 50 years. Amen. I know I don't look that old. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I remember as kids. Now, now, listen, I grew up on the other side of the other side of the tracks. You know, where you used to have Serb sandwiches. <laughs> Hallelujah. There was no wall-to-wall -wall carpet. Oh, and you sure didn't have air conditioning. You opened them, the windows and, the sh and, and hopefully you had a screen. Glory to God. I said, hopefully you had a screen. There was no air conditioning. And you were blessed if you had one of them big fans that rotated. And I'm not talking about the plastic ones. I'm talking about those big heavy ones. That if you put your finger in there, you might not have one today. As, as young people, the pastor would take us in his car and we would drive through different neighborhoods. And what he was doing was taking us beyond the circumstances of what we were living in and helping us to see what we can achieve. See, environment plays a whole lot. And when somebody doesn't tell you you can be blessed, you'll still feel like this is the, the plight of your life. The devil is alive. D preached on Wednesday. Yes, I want to go to the streets of gold and all of that, but I want a little something here before I get there. So as we grew up, hallelujah, we said we wanted to live here, we want to live here. Quick testimony. Angela and I just got married, and uh, we went to this nice apartment complex. 
and I loved it. It was in one of the, 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 the suburb areas. And I spoke over the phone and making inquiry about the availability of this apartment that I was so impressed with as I drove by and saw all the amenities and things that were available. And I made inquiry as to uh, whether it's uh, uh, open to be rented. Now, when you talk with a person over a phone, especially if you know how to talk, you can't always detect what color the person is or the background. So I made the inquiry. They said, oh, yes, it's available. Come on here at such and such time, and we'll show you the apartment. Sure enough, I was there on time, walked up to the door, knocked on the door, and said, I, I was the one who called about the apartment. True story. Before I got in, the person responded, oh, it's already been rented. I said, already been rented? I just called you. Yes, yes, it's already been rented. Uh, well, well, can I at least come in and take a look at the apartment to see when something else becomes available? Oh, that won't be necessary because none are going to become available. <laughs> now, that's just one instance. And we found something else much nicer. But... I was able to speak up for myself. How many people when they go to a door and knock and it's not open, they conclude, I can't get in. Until you have somebody who's your advocate who will go and say, this is against the law. You cannot discriminate. I wish somebody hear me. Or, and if you continue, we will take legal action. But it means that somebody has to fight for someone else. Look, look, right, look right here at, at, at Jeremiah. This is, this is using again the message version. In Jeremiah 22, 1, God's orders. Go to the royal palace. I'm sorry. Go to the White House. Go to the Capitol. See, the royal palace would be the equivalent of the White House, the Capitol, the governor's mansion. Go there and deliver this message. Say, listen to what God says. Trump, I mean, old king of Judah, you who will sit on David's throne, you and all your officials and all the people who go in and out of these palace gates, this is God's message. Attend to matters of justice. This is what God told Jeremiah to go to the king and tell him, attend to the matters of justice and set things right between people. Rescue victims from their exploiters. Do you know many of us have been exploited by a, by a system? I'm grateful we had some to attend uh, this past Thursday. They had a big community meeting with the school system here at KCK. Thank God. Hallelujah. It was our members who stood up and spoke. 
setting things in order, letting individuals know this is not right. See, if you keep a silent voice, you are then condoning whatever's going on. Hallelujah, but you got to become angry to see that your brother and sister are being so used and exploited that you get sick. See, I know what I'm talking about. You can speak out on an issue and then you'll be marked. Don't mess with him anymore. Uh, hold him down. Oh, will somebody hear me? Keep him from moving forward because he's going against the system. And because you're fearful and that is your desire to keep on climbing in the system, you'll You'll turn a blinded eye to things that are happening on your job, in school, sometimes even in the church. Don't take advantage of the homeless. That's why, that's why Nehemiah, Jesus, others got so angry. He saw people come in our neighborhoods and set up pay, pay list, payday loans. Exploiting those that have the least. While those that are rich are still getting more from tax relief. Oh God, y'all don't hear me. Under the guise of trickle down uh, economics, which was really introduced during the Reagan administration when Stockman was the office over the Office of Management and Budget. Oh, I know what I'm talking about. If you give more to the rich, then it'll trickle down. The problem is, sometimes it trickled off before it got to us. <laughs> Don't take advantage of the homeless, the orphans, the widows, and look what he says. What? Everybody, what? I can't hear you. Come on. We got to get angry. And if we're not angry, every week we'll continue to condone brothers killing brothers. It'll become where we've been anesthetized. See, anesthetized, when you take anesthesia, you become numb to the pain. That's why they're able to cut on you and you, you don't feel it because they, they've put in uh, what is necessary for you not to feel it. And that's what's happening. When we hear things happening more and more going on, we become where it doesn't even concern us anymore. Oh, who else got killed? Listen, it doesn't even make the top of the news. A new rhinoceros was born in the Kansas City Zoo. There's a walk for, for, for muscular dystrophy. Then down the, oh, by the way, somebody else was killed in Kansas City. Because it's not even something we are shocked at anymore. That was the message. Stop the murder. Hallelujah. So which means we cannot just come to our church and speak in tongues and shout and rejoice and be happy when we're not doing ministry. 
And ministry is not how nice of a set of clothes we got and dress up so somebody can say, oh, you're looking sharp today. But sometimes our ministry has to go with somebody who might not even smell as nice as we do. And to touch somebody who somebody else will turn their nose up at. Hallelujah. That's who God is sending us to. Now, my special guest today, I asked him to come and he's a, a, an excellent and very fine pastor with great friends. He pastors Grace Tabernacle Family Life Outreach Center here in Kansas City, Kansas. We've had interaction. We even got to do more. He's been here before, even though I haven't been there. His family are godly praying people. And through their prayers, you see how not just him, many of his family have been elevated. His brother is one of the judges in this city. And he was recently elected, I believe, the first African-American. First African-American elected in Wyandotte County as the district attorney. Well, somebody ought to give God praise for that. That is a miracle. And uh, we'll go on and share some other things in the future. But I asked him if he would leave. And, of course, he's had his service already. But I wanted him to come to share some of the injustices that occur in our community that he knows about and how he was uh, blessed of God to initiate a program to help individuals who were wrongfully convicted to be released from jail. Hey, somebody had to speak up for somebody who couldn't speak for themselves. When they know that they've been done wrong and put in jail wrongly, nobody else spoke up, but thank God. Woo! Somebody spent the money. Somebody initiated. And listen, everybody wasn't for that. It was fought because you're getting ready to ex- or you're getting ready to expose something. You're getting ready to expose the system. You're getting ready to expose how people are used and misused. But through it all, hallelujah, that I believe it was the Holy Ghost that put him in that office, not just to represent persecuting, but to be a champion, to speak up for those who can't speak for them. Oh, I feel like running for an office myself. Come on and welcome now District Attorney and Pastor Mark Dupree. Take your time. Yes, sir. Come on now, give God praise. Come on, Zion, open up your mouth, lift up your voices. If you got hands, lift them up and give God glory. Come on, tell Him thank you. For he's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor and he's worthy of all praise. 
to God be the glory for all of the good and much wonderful things that he has done. I am forever grateful. God bless you. You can be seated. I am grateful for this opportunity. And I want to do a couple things. Uh, I am obedient to the set man of this house. Uh, your pastor, an awesome, dynamic, educated, wise. I can keep going, vivacious, persistent, tenacious, holy, saved, man of God. We salute you, sir, and your wonderful wife and family. We thank God for you. Uh, number one, I want to openly say, and I don't do this and have never done it, in fact, said that I would never, uh, but I want to openly endorse you for any office you run for, any. You have my full support, and the little Dupree machine that I have, it's yours. Uh, that's one and two um, I, I thank God for uh, New Bethel yes. this is amazing this is amazing and it is something that we have to really tend to uh, and just for a few minutes as your pastor has given me I just want to talk to you I believe Dr. King said it best injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Uh, and it was something because the scripture that comes to mind that I ran on is Micah 6 and 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doeth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And second, your pastor said it, Proverbs 29, the righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. And so it is amazing how scripture teaches us over and over again about what our job, our duty, and our obligation is amongst the community. And so just for a few seconds, social injustice. Social simply meaning society. What are the injustices in our society? To understand what the injustices are, you must know what justice means. The maintenance or administration of what is justice just and impartial justice is simply being fair and impartial so therefore injustice is the absence of justice thus the violation of rights of justice so you can't have injustice in a place that there has never been justice So, so you, you, in order to recognize injustice, you must be uh, acquainted with justice. You must have experienced it, seen it, heard about it. And so uh, I got to tell you, growing up here in Wyandotte County, there were a few things that led me to the place that I'm at. And that was when I was uh, 14 years old, I had the opportunity of meeting a judge. And that is a great part of my life. And it led me change the tra trajectory of where I was to go because it opened my eyes on where I could go. But what I did realize is at the same time I was meeting this judge who was an African-American judge. The first African-American judge in the district or the state of Kansas was his father. And he took his 
father's seat when he retired. And so it's just so wonderful how the Lord works and I meet him and then I become the first district attorney in the state of Kansas who happened to be African-American. And so the Lord sets this thing up. But while this was happening for me at 14, something else was happening in my home. See, my father, who was a pastor and he uh, worked in this church and he gave his all to this church in a little uh, storefront right over by Northwest Middle School off 15th and Waverly, where, where the, 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 the ground, when we danced, the dust would come on up. We danced real good. We got a little sick, but we kept on dancing. And I just think the dust helped us sweat because it calmed it down some. And so my father, who was a full-time blue-collar worker who gave everything that he had, not just to his family, but to this small ministry at 14 years old, he was at home and the police came and they took the car that he had just purchased. And they told my father there was nothing you can do about it except for go to court. My father says, well, I, I just purchased the car. I got the title. I got the information. I need, I need my car. I need to get to work. They said, sir, I'm sorry. We're taking your car. For the next three weeks, my father rode a bicycle at 10 speed at the time from Wyandotte County all the way to Front, Front Street over there. Y'all know where that is, Kansas City Power Line. And he rode every morning at five in the morning to get there because he had to provide for his family. And the church wasn't big enough to take care of him, so he had to work and preach. And preach and work. And so he ends up going to court. And at 14, I recall just a little of this. And I asked my father later on in the years what happened. And he says he went to court. And there was this judge there that didn't look like you and I. And he looked at my father. My father presented all the documentation to him. And he laughed at my father and said, sir, we have already given your car away. My father said, son, I went to the hallway of the courthouse and I sat on the bench. And rather than hanging my head, I began to pray. And I said, well, daddy, what you pray? He said, I pray that God fill this courthouse with men of God that will do right by every person that comes in. Now, I didn't know that my father had prayed this prayer until I was the district attorney. But here my father had prayed that someone who was about justice would be sitting on the bench. And so it's not a coincidence that my brother, who is likewise a pastor, is a judge in this county sitting on the bench where a judge was unjust. Because beyond that of the law, we understand that the prayers of the righteous availeth much. I understand my education is good and that it was my education that opened up the door. But it was the prayers of my daddy who was a righteous man who made sure that the way was made. And so how do we cure injustice? Number one, make sure you pray it. Don't just get mad and do nothing. Pray. And so I move on in life and I am now 20 years old. I am in the University of Kansas and, and pastor, I haven't told uh, too many people this, but I'm a just, I just see y'all caught me in my preacher mode. You see, the problem with them preachers, they just, they just let it all out. I've been learning as district attorney, you know, as a politician, I'm supposed to hold stuff in. But you got me on a Sunday morning. 
So I was 20 years old and I was at the University of Kansas and I was a chaplain for the uh, choir and I was a prayer warrior. I was on the dean's honor roll. I was involved in all kinds of stuff and I came home uh, for the summer and I went to a movie in a different jurisdiction and me and my colleagues who also were on scholarships at other universities, we walk into this theater and once we go inside, I was then told that I did not purchase my ticket and I said to them no I purchased my ticket and I felt for my ticket stub and I had thrown it in the trash and I said well I know the young lady who's at the front counter because she goes to the University of Kansas with us you know I tried to just throw that out there hey I'm in college man back up I said, if you let me just go and talk to him, and they said, no, no, you can't go and talk to her, sir. We, we're going to need you to leave if you can't produce your ticket. I said, you know what? We're going to leave, uh, but could you talk to her for us? And so at this time, we're in between the theater door where you walk into the door, and then there's that dark hallway, and then another door. Well, me and my three friends were standing there, and it was two off-duty officers uh, and the manager who says, I tell you what we'll do. You can't go, but we'll allow the other two to go. So me and my colleague and me being young, I'm thinking, yeah, no problem. You two go and go and talk to the manager or to the young lady that I know and bring her back here. The moment those two went out, these two off-duty officers pulled their batons and their mace and they beat me and my friend. They sprayed us with mace as we tussled and I tried to hold them off. And all I could say was, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? We fell outside of the doors where there were four more officers with their batons who hit me and beat me and my friend. See, I told you, I can't hold nothing in. This occurred and I was arrested and my friend was arrested I went to jail and I spent three nights in jail. I'm a district attorney. It's still me. And as I was sitting there and I'm sitting in this room over the weekend and it's not enough sales for all of us. So they had about 12 of us in one place. And as we were sitting there, I began to pray. Day one, I was nervous. Day two, I'm noticing how big these folks are. Y'all playing. This dude asked me for my orange. I said, you can have it, man. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> I fast for three days anyway. This is nothing. Let's go. And as I began to pray the second night, I was leaning up against the wall and all of these folks was talking about what they did to get in there. And I looked up and this was this big, huge guy, black guy, and he was staring at me. I wasn't as, you know, swole as I am now. Had a little hair on my head, you could see a hairline. He was staring at me and I just began to pray out loud because I couldn't beat him if he had a problem with me. 
And as I prayed and I said, God, I need you now. And I need you where I am in this situation. This man who had me by about 20 years was crying and looked at me and said, can you pray for me? I'm crying. And I said, yeah, I can pray for you. And I began to pray that the Lord would come into that room. And this brother said, y'all hear him praying? Everybody hold hands and bow your head. <laughs> we began to pray and I kid you not, eight of the 12 people gave their life to Christ while I spent time in jail that I wasn't supposed to be in. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm almost... I'm trying to get to why things that you do matter so I got out of that and I went to trial and the judge found that I was not guilty on fighting a police officer and battery but he said you're guilty on trespassing I'm sorry so I had this on my record and I was mad I said I'm gonna keep it on my record and then I got married my wife said boy you better get that off your record listen to your wives <laughs> and I got it off of my record and I I run on and I go on and I go on and then the Lord says because I became a criminal defense lawyer because I experienced that thing and I said we need people who are defense lawyers who's gonna fight and defend for individuals when they are wrongfully accused you see, it wasn't by happens chance that, that I looked into the Conviction Integrity Unit because God had allowed me to experience injustice in my own life. Now later on, I told the Lord, all you had to do was tell me. You didn't have to let me go through it. And so I get into office. And when I ran, they told me, you don't nobody know you. You ain't going to get it. Who are you? You ain't nothing but a little preacher at this little bitty church. You can't just stop. And the Lord showed them that when you are focused on what the Lord says, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Number one, you pray. Number two, you vote. Look at your neighbor and say, vote, 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 vote. I got in office and after I got in there, I was met with the case of a young man who had spent 23 years in prison. And it was a double homicide. And guess what age I was when this young man was arrested? I was 14 years old. I was 14, my daddy going through stuff, I'm going through stuff, and he getting locked up. And 23 years later, after I had to experience what I had to experience, the Lord drops this case in my lap. And for 10 years, the previous administration legally ignored him. I told you, you caught me on my pasting day. It was absolutely legal for the district attorney to ignore and say that it was outside of the procedural time of him asking for this request to be released. So the default was if I could get away with it simply by procedural, then we don't do anything to it and we simply let the judge rule legally on our behalf. 
But once I got in office, I looked at this case and the Lord reminded me of my little three days. And he was there for 23 years and we investigated and we looked at this case and we presented it to the judge and found that there was manifest injustice that occurred. And despite us legally being able to keep him in based off of a wrongful conviction, it was not godly. But what I had to do was speak up. So how do you change the injustices you must speak up and do something and you have to do that at times that it may cost you your career because it ticks some folks off and I had prosecutors from all across the country call me and say Dupree you're setting a bad precedent you're saying that we need to open up cases and look at things and that's not traditional within the establishment and nobody else has ever done that before. Why are you doing that? And they didn't know my story. They didn't understand what I had to go through to get where I'm at. I had a different road to take and my road led me to looking at things in a different way. And so not only was he released, we said we're not going to refile a case against him because wrong is wrong. And the Lord said, but this is not all. It's just not about one person. What are you going to do for the rest? And so we created the Conviction Integrity Unit, which is a unit that looks at post-conviction cases, hence cases by which individuals have been convicted of crimes and they allege that they have been wrongfully convicted. And this unit has its own independent investigator who's a certified law enforcement officer and an independent senior district assistant district attorney who looks at the cases, investigates, reinvestigates, and opens up, quite frankly, some very, very old wounds for some folks. Because the only way that we can deal with injustices is if we are bound to see them and do something about them. As I finish, this is what the Supreme Court said in 1935. As such, the prosecutor is in a peculiar and very definite sense the servant of the law, the twofold aim of which is that guilt shall not escape nor innocence suffer. He may prosecute with earnestness and vigor indeed. He should do so, but while he may strike hard blows, he is not at liberty to strike foul ones. It is as much his duty to refrain from improper methods calculated to produce a wrongful conviction as it is to use every legitimate means to bring about a just one. This was 1935. Prosecutors were supposed to have been doing what we're doing right now for nearly a hundred years. But people have gotten comfortable with the injustice that has occurred in our communities and we don't say anything. Thus, we're not holding those in positions accountable for the very thing that their job says they're supposed to do. 
So we're moving the standard. So whether the Lord has me here for eight or 12 years, you notice I said it's going to be at least eight or 12. Y'all notice that? But whether, whatever it is, we're moving the standard so that whoever comes in after me, it is set so the community can hold them to the standard of excellence that God has put in place. Last thing, murder. Crime is ridiculous. But we need the community. As you speak out about injustices concerning those who are in positions and holding us accountable and making sure we're doing what we're supposed to do, we have to do the same thing amongst our own community members. When I was growing up, I was told Bishop straight out told we don't go there we let y'all kill each other and then we come up afterwards the sad part is that's the mentality that some of us have in our own communities I have case after case where individuals were shot and murdered I put an entire family in jail I said, if you don't testify to this murder you just saw, I'm putting all of y'all in jail. And I put them all in jail. And the leader who was the grandma said, how long are you going to keep us? Because we ain't talking. I couldn't get that man off the streets for the murder. I had to get him on drugs. Because we lacked the ability to pursue the crime if the people won't talk. So let me leave this with you. If we want murdering to stop, start talking. Tell somebody. And you know your kids, you know your grandkids. Listen, I got criminals in my doggone family. And if I can make $5,000 to tell on them, I'm going to tell you something. Stop hiding these kids. Stop acting like it's okay because today it's somebody else's grandchild, but tomorrow it might be yours. If you want the murderer to stop, cooperate, show up, testify, and let's lock them up. God bless you real good. Oh, I wish I can get a praise. I wish I can get some worship. Hallelujah. This is what we got to get excited about. Not because we got a new Cadillac. Not because we got a new job. But to hear truth. To motivate us. To understand what is our mission. What has God called us to? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Let me just share this with you. Mm. Yes, Holy Ghost, I hear you. I hear you, Holy Ghost. I hear you, Holy Ghost. I hear you, Holy Ghost. That's why the devil doesn't want this message to get out. Church has to be more than us just coming to assemble to clap and to shout and have a good time we got a mission look at somebody say we got a mission 
last year, you remember when we had the service where we told individuals to bring pictures of loved ones and lay them at the altar? And we flooded this altar with pictures. Individuals by faith, trusting and believing that God would intervene on behalf of their loved one. And as you know, the mothers, elders, people began to pray. And I was up here on my knees just praying for people, just walking and, and crawling. Lord, touch this person, touch that person. And you remember one of the prayers was, Lord, release people from prison. Oh, release individuals. Make a way, God, that they can be set free. You remember that? And unbeknownst to me, one of the pictures that I picked up and started praying, hallelujah, asking God, not, not even knowing what the situation was, but just praying, just randomly as we picked up pictures. This was just last year, wasn't it just last year? Not knowing that Sister kid Nicole right we call her Nikki who works in the Michelle who works in the in the in the nursery she put her brother's picture and brought it down to the altar just like many others did and and I didn't know who I was just being feeling led of the Holy Ghost just to pick up pictures and and to pray and to lay hands See, when you're operating under the Spirit, the Holy Ghost will lead you. He'll tell you, call this person. Text this person. Many a week, I'll send a text to somebody. Everybody who's ever received a text from me, raise your hands right now. And some others, you just are too embarrassed to say anything. But I Pick this up. He had been convicted for murder. Brother Ricky Kidd. 23 years ago, 22 years ago, convicted for life. And we prayed. And here recently, you may have even seen it on television, law professors and students from I think Mizzou took his case just like district L attorney said and when they looked at the case he was set free <laughs> over 20 years of your life spent behind bars because you were wrongfully convicted. Now it's one thing when you're guilty and you ask for mercy and God still gives you grace. Hallelujah! But it's another thing like Joseph to be in prison and you know you've not done anything wrong. But through prayer but not just prayer action. 
somebody to speak up, somebody to, 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 to man, manipulate and maneuver and begin to work and go against the system. We must speak up for somebody who can't speak up for themselves. If you've been impacted by today's message, I wish you would give God a praise right now.